Hello, this is Coach Aaron Saft and the MR Running Pains Podcast, coming to you with another episode. Today, my guest, Julie Jensen. Julie just completed the Tahoe 200-mile race. Uh, what a performance. Uh, you know, we talk about everything. I, I mean, you know, selfishly, I wanted to, to learn a little bit more. So, uh, you know, I had a little bit more uh, information so I could prepare better for Bigfoot, but I think you know, anybody thinking about or, you know, possibly doing a 200 mile race, this is going to be a great episode for you because Julie shares a lot, um, about, you know, what goes on during these events, what's how she prepared for certain things and, uh, just really good tidbits. So I appreciate Julie's comments and, um, I congratulate her on her finish. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Julie and afterwards, uh, I've got a lot of announcements to share. So, uh, we'll talk after my conversation with Julie. As I said in my intro, I have here with me uh, Julie Jensen. And Julie, how are you, ma'am? Good, thank you. <laughs> um, Julie has just finished the Tahoe 200, which was incredible. Um, I, I can't wait to hear her story. But before we get into that, Julie, can you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, so um, I live in Ridgecrest, California. I've been married for 20 years to Victor. And I had four kids ranging in ages from two to 18 and um, a kindergarten teacher at a small private Christian school here in Ridgecrest. Very cool. That's awesome. It's amazing. I mean, mom of four <laughs> and doing a 200 miler. That's uh, and, and a kindergarten teacher to boot. So amazing. Amazing that you fit in everything because your training was outstanding. Um, <laughs> So that covers your, your family and your professional life, but uh, tell us a little bit about your running history. Um, so I've always loved to run. Growing up, my mom ran, and so she would encourage me to race her a few houses down and then race her around the block and then two times around the block. And growing up, I always did the Junior Olympics. And then when I was in junior high, we didn't have a junior high cross-country team yet. But my uh, PE teacher, she figured out pretty quickly that I loved running. And so she would let me go and run a mile. And then while the rest of the students were still in class, she would give me the keys to the locker room and I could just go back to the locker room for the rest of class as long as I had my mile done. And so that's what I got to do for PE <laughs> through junior high. And then um, my brother, who's about a year and a half younger than me, when he was at the end of junior high, a new teacher had come into town and started coaching cross country and was encouraging my brother to join cross country. And so I went with my mom to drop him off for his first practice. And I watched for a while and I said, I want to do that. So the next year I joined the high school cross country team. And then after high school, I just kind of just continued to run for fun, you know, on my own and decided to do a marathon, just one, just to see if I could do it. <laughs> just one. <laughs> just one. And then my husband said, well, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it too. So he did it with me and um, ended up doing a lot of them and then had to try out our local high desert ultra 50K and loved it even more. And so just kind of naturally took each step from there, did a 50 miler, did a 100K, and then told my husband, you never have to worry. I will never do a 100 mile. That's just crazy. 
And then I told him I wanted to do a 100 <laughs> and just one, just see if I could do it, you know? And so he was on board with that. And then I ended up doing like three in a matter of two years. And <laughs> so the next step was to go to 200. So that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Victor did the, um, the marathon with you. How far has Victor gone? Victor's done our local 50 K and then now he's wanting to train for a 50 mile. <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, would you say he has the bug as well? He says he will never, ever do more than 50 miles. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We all know that story. We all know that story. That's yeah. fantastic. So, uh, which, which hundred milers have you completed? Um, my first one was San Diego 100 and then I did Havelina 100 and Tahoe 100. Nice. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, and so, um, obviously Tahoe 100, um, I guess that led you into Tahoe 200 or was there another reason that you selected Tahoe 200? I just love the Tahoe area. You know, you have the people that it's either mountain people or beach people and Tahoe's kind of that perfect middle where it's kind of both. And I just love how gorgeous it is up there. And so any excuse to go to Tahoe. <laughs> uh, and I guess that excuse could be 200 miles. <laughs> That's a, it's a great way to see Tahoe though. Um, we'll talk about the course in a bit, but, um, you know, did you have, uh, as you know, as, as we talk a lot about, um, for those that don't know, um, I coached Julie through this, but, uh, we often talk about our whys in running, um, you know, you know, wanting to go to Tahoe for an excuse to, to be in Tahoe is one thing, but did you have a why that, you know, would help you in this, uh, this journey, you know, through your journey and then through your, your actual race? Oh, of course. Yeah. So I kind of had two real reasons um, for myself and for my kids. So I knew about five years ago that I wanted to have the goal to do Tahoe 200, but I'm a planner. So I knew it would take a couple years of reading race reports, watching YouTube videos, following the race um, before I would get the confidence to actually do it. So then in 2019, um, my husband and I decided we're going to add one more kid to the family. And then I would do Tahoe right after that. And so during that year, so we, um, I got pregnant. And then when I was seven months pregnant, um, my second born, Brian, uh, he was killed in a car accident um, a week before his 13th birthday. And then so two months after that, I had uh, baby number four, perfect, Evan. Um, but then five months after that, my dad had a stroke and died and my mom has passed several years ago. So I was the oldest child. And so I spent a lot of time, um, having to handle his affairs. And so when my world just felt like everything was falling apart, I was having to take care of everything for everybody else. And so I knew that I needed that time for me. I needed to finally do something that was important for me, something that I could focus on that would be a good distraction from everything that was going on. And so I told my husband, I'm doing this in 2021. I am going to do this for myself. I'm going to do it to show my daughter um, 
so I have one daughter and three boys. So I wanted her to see that you can be a mom, you can do all the mom stuff, but you don't have to stop being who you are and you don't have to let go of your dreams to be a mom. And so I wanted her to see that I could still do this, even though I had just had a baby as well. And so that was really important to me too. And to show my kids that, um, you know, life isn't going to go the way that you expect it. Um, but when you have something that you really want and something that you really work hard for, um, you can, you can do it. You can achieve it. That's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. And so, um, what happened in 2021 that you weren't able to race? Oh, right. Um, so in 2021, um, I did, I applied for the lottery. I got that congratulations email and then went through training. And then two weeks before the race, the Caldor fires, um, the wildfire in South Lake, um, the race was canceled. So I had to uh, reapply again for 2022 and, um, was lucky enough to get selected for 2022. Um, okay. So you had to go back. So did they refund you for 2021? Um, they gave us a $500 credit that we could use within the next couple of years towards another race. I see. Okay. Uh, and so you're, yeah, you're lucky enough to get back in through the lottery for this year, right on. So, right. um, <laughs> um, like I, you know, I know, I know our common friends, did they, um, influence you in reaching out to me? <laughs> how did, how did they that? Did, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's uh charity and Fabian, uh, pairing, uh, they, uh, I I've coached charity, um, and I am now coaching Fabian. Um, and so, um, Julie is, uh, connected with those and actually, uh, those two were on her crew and, and pacing, which we'll also talk about in a bit. Um, but you had such a, a tremendous training block. Your build to Tahoe was, uh, I was, you know, amazed by, you know, day in, day out, your consistency. Um, but can you talk about, um, um, what were your, what were your thoughts about training? Did you feel like it was too much? Not enough. Uh, I'd like to hear your overall thoughts on training. No, I think training went really well. Um, I loved how we did it by time rather than miles. And it was some, that was different. I've never trained by time. I've always done by miles. And it made it easier on my family doing it by time because they knew exactly when I was going to be back. I knew the exact amount of time that I needed to block out in that day for my training. So I never felt like I needed to rush through a run to hurry up and get it done because we needed to go do something or whatever. And so that made a huge difference. I really liked that the way that that was set up. Nice. Sweet. Um, and so, uh, do you think that was the most helpful aspect of training was the the setting it up as, as time rather than distance, or was there other things that you felt helpful? Um, I think that was a, a huge part of it because it also, you know, my runs were never a harder effort than they should have been because I was trying to hurry. And so that way it didn't affect, you know, recovery and um, that stuff, but also training with all my gear. I even would do my short runs with all the mandatory gear and the gear that I planned on carrying. And I think that made a huge difference too. I didn't have 
the back aches and the shoulder aches from having a heavy pack because I had trained so much with it. Right. And, um, anything that you probably would, would have changed or, you know, suggested. Oh, definitely. Um, I would have loved to have gotten more time in the mountains. Hmm. I live in the foothills of the Eastern Sierras. And so we have amazing trails in the mountains right here, but it would take, you know, an extra two or more hours of driving time to get to them. And so to just make it easier on my family, I stayed closer to home so I could do more training hours. Um, but that is something that I would have loved to have been able to do. And also if there wasn't snow on those trails, since it was a June race. <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, let's talk about in the build. Um, you also ran the Leona divide hundred K. Uh, which, you know, went really well. Um, can you talk about uh, that race and, and perhaps how it helped you in your preparations for Tahoe? Yeah. So um, since I got pregnant and then had the baby and then pretty soon after that, COVID shut everything down. And so I felt like I had gone a long time without having a good race. I had run the Bishop 100K during that time, but like the last 20 miles were absolutely awful. I just felt terrible, everything hurt. And so it kind of made me worry about Tahoe. You know, I hadn't raced in a long time and here I was, I was gonna go try to do 200 miles. <laughs> and so I knew that I needed to do something to kind of give me that confidence boost. And so Leona Divide, it's close to home. I've done the 50 mile a couple times. I've done the 50 K. So I'm familiar with the course. Um, and so I took it as I'm going to test out my nutrition. I'm going to test out some gear and I'm just going to have fun. And I, I did, I had a lot of fun that day. Fabian and charity both came out and paced me in that one also kind of like a trial run for Tahoe. And it was just a huge confidence boost to finish feeling that good. And it was like, okay, Maybe I can do this 200 now. Yeah. Well, we also learned because, um, you know, we hadn't really done a lot of long descents. Uh, I think that was one thing that you had said, you know, post post Leona divide was that you wanted to work more on some, some longer descents. So it also gave us a little bit of feedback of what we needed to work on in training, which we tried to, to add, you know, to, uh, to your final block of training. So I think that was great, you know, that, um, Leona served as, as so much, um, uh, feedback, not only for, you know, having, uh, your crew and pacers, having a, a test run, your gear, having a test run. Uh, and, you know, with that said, um, you know, you, as you mentioned earlier, you used your gear almost all the time extensively, um, using your pack and, um, you know, fully weighted with everything you plan on having for Tahoe. Um, what's, um, what do you say, um, was there, you know, was there things that worked better than others or things that you were like, this failed me? <laughs> uh, talk about your gears for your gear for a little bit, please. Yeah. So, um, the weather forecast was constantly changing in the, the week, two weeks leading up to the race. And so I was having to try to figure out what I was going to change that I had been carrying. Cause I had pretty much just been carrying the mandatory gear. Mm -hmm. Um, cause the temperatures were supposed to be warm. I train in triple digits, you know, so I wasn't worried about that. And then the weather forecast changed to, it was going to be very cold 
down to feel like 18 degrees, which I'm not used to. Mm. So I knew I was going to have to change some of my gear, um, bring gear that would help me be warmer. So I ended up having to carry a puffy jacket the whole way, which I had not trained with. And that's not lightweight. (laughs) And so um, I had it in my pack at first and realized that the weight difference from what I had trained with and then adding, all I did was add that puffy jacket made the difference that um, I could feel it. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to carry that all, all the way. So tying it around my waist um, is what I did with that. And that was such a huge difference. I didn't think it would be, but I didn't feel it around my waist. It wasn't any extra weight. And so that was um, nice. And then I wasn't planning on wearing pants. Um, I'm a shorts person, even when we're in 20 and 30 degrees, I, I just wear shorts. It's what I'm most comfortable in. But it was so cold that I had to take my pants and wear my pants over my shorts. And um, the temperature changes seemed like they were constant. So it was pants on, pants off, pants on, pants off. But I brought my pants I brought were leggings, which meant every time my pants went on and off, so did my shoes. And so that was such a time waster to have to constantly take on and off the shoes so I would definitely bring different pants next time that can go over the shoes makes, right. would make a huge difference. Right on. Um, well, let's talk about your shoes for a minute. Did you use, um, the same shoe throughout, um, multiple pairs, the same shoe, different types of shoes. What did you go with? So I wore ultra Olympus, um, during the whole thing, but it was two separate pairs. So I switched at 100 miles. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I brought, Uh, I did have other shoes, like bigger shoes, um, in case of foot swelling, but I just used two pairs and was good. Right on. Um, any real foot problems to speak of or anything? Um, a couple blisters on the balls of my feet that appeared later in the race. But other than that, they, they came out pretty good. Nice. What, what socks did you wear out of curiosity? Um, I wear Thorlows. Okay. Right on. I can't, I can't think of the exact um, model, but That's okay. yeah, Thorlows I've worn okay. for years. Right on. Uh, I mean, you, you had trained in Olympus and Thorlows, so you, you knew them. Yes. So <laughs> right on. Very good. Um, uh, and so, you know, it sounds like your gear was pretty dialed in, but anything that if you're looking back now that you're like, darn, I wish I really had had X. Was there anything that you were like, I could have used this. Aside from the the pants. (laughs) During the race, I was thinking, man, I would really like something that would cover my ears because it was snowing. It did snow on and off the first three days. And then when I finished, I was like, well, that was dumb. I was wearing a buff this whole time. (laughs) I could have pulled it over my ears. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, Anything that you carried outside of the mandatory gear? Was there anything, you know, that you were like, you know, it doesn't have this, but, you know, maybe I'll need it. And, and perhaps you used it. Um, a water filter is on the recommended, but not mandatory. And I did use it a couple times. So right I was on. glad to have that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, I wear the same thing for Bigfoot. You know, we've got the mandatory and suggested gear list and, uh, a water filter is definitely on mine. Um, good call. All right. Um, anything else on the gear? that you would say like this was, uh, you know, helpful or, um, you know, your pack, what size capacity did you use? I used the Solomon 12 liter. 
Mm -hmm. Great. The advanced skin 12. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, perfect. Um, and um, it looked like your tracker was working just fine. Um, you, did you, um, how did you fasten that to the pack? I'm just curious about that for, for my own. <laughs> so they do it for you. Okay. They have it in a Velcro thing and they'll actually put it on your pack for you. Okay. They yeah. You don't even feel it Rock. on there. Yes. They did the same thing at hard rock, but, um, cool. All right. Um, so let's talk about the course itself. Um, so, uh, Tahoe 200, uh, is the actual distance 200 miles. No. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the actual distance? So, well, I'm not sure if they ever said, because usually the race is a loop that goes all the way around Lake Tahoe and it's 205.5 miles. Okay. But this year they had to change the course because of the fires last year. Mm. So we started in Homewood and we went north around the lake and then down the east side to Heavenly. And then we turned around and went back. Oh, okay. So I don't know if they actually said anything about what the mileage was. Um, my tracker showed 204.8, but my watch shows 206. <laughs> so, <laughs> so somewhere in there, over 200. And we'll call it 205. <laughs> <laughs> But the, so if it's, uh, if it's the original course, it would be 205 though. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Right on. And for, uh, how about elevation gain descent? Um, so the tracker showed that I did 33,588 feet. So okay. it's a little bit less than the normal route around the lake. Okay. So, oh, gotcha. Right on. Um, and then what would you say for, um, um, obviously this is a, you know, a different course, but the, the amount of, um, road versus single track versus dirt road, if you could put percentages on those, oh, I don't know if I could do percentages it had or miles or everything. You know. <laughs> um, it had a lot of gorgeous single track and there was also a lot of long, um, rocky dirt roads. And then we did get to go down into town a couple times in Incline Village and Tahoe City and run on the bike path through town. So that was a lot of fun too to see people <laughs> and people were coming out. And nice. So yeah, it was just, it was like there was just some of everything. I mean, there was the least amount of roads um, if you were to compare the three, but okay. a lot of single track and a lot of dirt roads. Okay, great. Uh, what's the highest altitude typically on the course? Uh, Spooner Summit is just under nine thousand feet. Just under 9,000. Is that where you get hit the most snow or did you hit it elsewhere? Um, it, it was snowing there one time when we went through. Okay. Gotcha. Did you have any snow underfoot um, during the race? Yes, we did. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first, so you, when the race starts, you go up Ellis Peak and then over there, um, it was large snow patches. And so you would, Cross the snow, and then there were a couple spots where you would have to slide down, glissade down the snow. And then we did the same thing coming back. You know, the last few miles, we had to cross them again. <clears throat> right on. Uh, it wasn't too icy, though. No, um, I just had I had one fall, but it was because I tried to walk down instead of slide down, and I should have known better because I watched two out of three people in front of me fall. <laughs> <laughs> and then I decided to try it too. So I learned my lesson that time pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. All right. Uh, so let's talk about your race. Um, let's talk about some of your strategies. So um, nutrition, interested to hear 
um, what you did for, for nutrition, what was your plan and, and what actually happened? <laughs> so my plan is not what happened. Um, <laughs> I had actually planned out exactly, um, what I wanted to have in my pack between each aid station. And then it ended up not working that way. Um, my husband, you know, didn't bring the food because they weren't allowed to leave food in the car because of bears. And so I wouldn't get the food at the crew or, um, and there was some miscommunications, but at the aid stations, you know, I would eat a hamburger or a hot dog and hash browns and chips. And, um, between aid stations, I did, ca I carried quite a few calories, but I ran out several times. Um, I tried to stay away from gels. I tried to eat as much real food as I could, uh, the food that I trained with. And then I always had a bottle of either scratch or tailwind on me. Right on. Um, and, uh, what was the, what was the high for temperature? Oh, I'm not even sure it, the first day was pretty warm and the last day was pretty warm. Um, but when I say pretty warm, it was probably maybe low eighties, I'm guessing. Okay. Okay. Um, what did you, um, what did you carry a bladder and some bottles? Can you be more? I did. I had a full two liter bladder and then I had two bottles. And then on the 20 mile sections, I carried an extra bottle just in case. Right on. Um, did you ever run out? Uh, no, but got close. So that's why I, I filtered water when I could just in case. Nice. Good. 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 Right on. Um, all right. And then, um, what were you planning, um, so far as like, um, what, what was your projected or your goal finish time? Well, I really just wanted to finish, but I did break it down into, um, an 80 hour finish. I knew it was going to be a long shot, but I thought, well, I might as well try. So that's what I gave my crew and pacers as my, my time to try to hit. I got you. And how and long got nowhere you... near that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask how did, uh, <laughs> how long did that go for? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's okay. Um, so it just became basically just, you know, kind of managing, managing the effort. Um, and it sounds like later in the race, um, you started to have some, some, uh, knee pain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I never paid attention to the pace on my watch. Um, I tried to just completely go by feel. Cool. Um, all right, let's talk about your crew. Uh, how many folks did you have on your crew? So I had my husband, he was my like main crew person as he always is. <laughs> and then I had two pacers, Fabian and charity. Nice. Uh, so, uh, Victor was, uh, basically, um, on call 24 <laughs> seven during the race. He was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he made sure everybody was where they were supposed to be and, Great. um, was at every crew spot. Nice. Perfect. And, um, how did you break up the pacing? So I actually just gave Fabian and charity the, um, the chart and said, you guys figure out what you want to do. And then just let me know what you want to do. Okay. And so they broke it up. Um, they broke it up really well to where I wasn't really doing a whole lot in the dark by myself. And, um, so that was really nice. So Fabian ended up doing three segments with me, which came out to over 74 miles, which is amazing. 
<laughs> and then charity came out for one segment with me for, um, about 18 miles. Okay, cool. Right on. Um, and, um, was there, so with that, um, when did you, when were you able in Bigfoot, we can get pacers at around 46 miles in how soon could you get pacers at Tahoe? 50 at 50. Um, yeah. so that would leave about 155 miles and you got about, uh, roughly 90 miles of pacing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Roughly 90 miles. So you had the 50 that were up front. So you had about 60 ish miles, um, plus the fifth. So about 110 miles solo, 115 miles solo. Um, that, that felt okay. That was, you were good. And yeah. Yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah. The, the dark hours are the hard hours. Yeah. So during the day I can do all right, but during the night, it was really nice to have the company. Yeah. And what, uh, we should talk about sleep too. What did you do for uh, sleep? Did you have a plan or did you just kind of roughly say, you know, I, I need a nap now. <laughs> so I had a plan. My, I was, there were three different spots and I wanted to stop for two hours at each of those spots, but I'm someone that I don't sleep very well when I'm not racing. And so it was really hard to fall asleep knowing that I was in the middle of something that needed to get done. And so I pretty much just had to go until I could go no more. And then I would be able to sleep for, um, about an hour, an hour and 20, I think was my longest stretch at the halfway point. So sleep was something that was really hard to do. Gotcha. What would you say your sleep total was for the entire event? Probably for the whole thing. Uh, probably not more than three hours. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, how did you stay, um, in the moment? Like, how did you stay without worrying about like, you know, obviously, you know, like you were saying, you're in a race, you're feeling like you need to get something done, but how did you not worry about like, I'm in mile you know, 14 of 205. <laughs> how did, how did that go? Like, how did you mentally work through that? Yeah. So instead of downloading the entire course GPX onto my watch, I downloaded each segment aid station to aid station. And so at each aid station, I would end the course and then start the next course on my watch. I display the display on my watch was the elevation profile for just the segment that I was in. And I only focused on that segment. So probably only three or four times during the whole race, did I even look at my overall mileage? So most of the time I didn't even know what my mileage was. Cause I knew if I looked at it and I thought, oh, I'm at 165, I'm supposed to be feeling crummy right now. That's what would happen. So I tried to stay away from that and just focus on exactly what I was doing and Fabian was really good at if I started to talk about what was coming up or something that I wasn't looking forward to, he knew that I wanted to just stay in the segment that I was in. And he would say, you know, no, Julie, we're in this segment now. This is what we're going to focus on. And so that helped tremendously. And I think I'm going to use that in future races also. It's just aid station to aid station is the only thing displayed on my watch. So you went into like a mapping program and physically routed the aid station to aid station. I got you. Yeah. Right mm -hmm. on. Very cool. 
Uh, that's a great strategy. I, I'm going to probably use that myself. <laughs> it works. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what watch did you use? Um, I used the Coros Apex. Apex. And then uh, did you have to charge? Uh, you'd have to charge that in race, right? I yeah. did. I charged it a couple times. Okay. Maybe three. Yeah. Okay. Um, really cool. Um, yeah, I, I got the Vertex 2, which hopefully will last the, the entirety of the race, but we'll see. <laughs> so I had my crew charge it while I tried to lay down and sleep. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, let's, let's walk through the, uh, the, the race itself. Um, let's, let's start with the high points. Yeah. So I was the first 30 miles, um, was a high point. Everyone is still full of energy and, um, excited, but it's also something that was totally different from a 100 miler. The atmosphere was just totally chill, you know, in a hundred miler you have, when you're in a train of people, you still have those people that are trying to sprint around everybody else, trying to get farther up. And you did not have that. It was like, everybody just fell into place and was just talking and laughing and just going real slow and just enjoying it and having fun. And, um, the weather was still great. And so those first 30 miles were a lot of fun. Um, and then I had, when Fabian and I went through Spooner and it was snowing and it was so windy and the snow was blowing at us from the side and <laughs> you think it would be miserable, but we actually had so much fun just, um, laughing. And we came across a hiker who was doing the Tahoe rim trail and he stopped us and he was asking us questions about nutrition and hydration and why runners always have tape on their legs. And <laughs> he was just really interested in what we were doing. And so that was a lot of fun to kind of be able to share with him, like why we were do out there and what we were doing. And, um, that was just a, a really fun time. And you're up high and you look down and you can see Lake Tahoe and you can see Marlette Lake right next to it. And it's just, it's a beautiful area right there. And I think that was probably my biggest high was going through that section there. That's so cool. Yeah. And then, um, when you hit, when I hit the halfway point, so I took a nap at a hundred and I changed clothes and kind of like refreshed. Um, and there was a real bathroom so you could wash your hands with soap and water and <laughs> your face. And that was really nice. And so then charity joined me after that. And it was like, the sun was rising during that moment and it wasn't snowing anymore, but the ground was covered in snow and it was just a really beautiful morning. And that was just a really fun, um, time too like a refreshing of starting over with another hundred miles. <laughs> uh, were there, were there any points on the course where your, your kids came out to see you? Yeah. So they came out, there were, um, two aid stations that I hit during the day that they came out and they could see me. And so that was really exciting to get to see them. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Um, okay. So we talked about highs, but now let's talk about the lows. Um, were there, were there a lot of lows? Were there, talk about that. <laughs> oh, the lows in this race are not like the lows in a 100. And that kind of took me by surprise in a 100, you know, I hit that low and I'm like, no, okay. Just keep going. If you know, it's going to end pretty soon. Just keep pushing through it. 
these ones, it was like when you hit a low, it was really low and it seemed like it was never going to end. Like it was just awful. And I had my, my biggest low was from about 140 to about 150. And so in a hundred miler, I've never had a low that's lasted, you know, 10 miles. And when you're going that slow, 10 miles takes a long time. And it just seemed like you were just getting lower and lower and lower and you just were not going to come out of it. But that's a, a, a tough, these, these lows were tough. What did you do to, you know, to try to, you know, get yourself out of those moments? Um, thankfully my lows seemed to hit when I had pacers. Um, Fabian was fantastic during lows. Um, he played worship music on his phone and just kept pushing me, you know, just, just got to move forward. Just got to move forward. Just keep going forward. So, and even during that time, when I was really low, I could tell that he was struggling at that point too. And even though he was having a hard time, he was still encouraging and pushing me to just keep moving just one step at a time to the aid station. Uh, yeah. That's uh, the, the, a good pacer is invaluable. <laughs> yes. Um, so we mentioned the knee, um, the knee was giving you trouble. Um, what did you do to, to help deal with it and compensate for the knee? So it was during that, that low when my knees started to hurt. And so there's the aid station, you get to an aid station at 150 and it was the middle of the night. And so I laid, just laid down to sleep and figured, you know, that would help. And so I slept for a little while. I'm not sure how long, but then when I woke up, I could barely walk it. I knew it was swollen and it hurt so bad. And so my husband helped me walk over to medical. And since I had my leggings on, I didn't know what it looked like. I just knew it was swollen and it hurt. And so I asked medical if he could just tape it up for me and then I could be good to go. And he explained that a lot of people had been coming with swollen knees. And so he went to go get the tape. And while he went to go take the tape or get the tape and I pulled my pants down and I saw my knee, it was just this huge ball on the top of my kneecap. And I thought my race is done. This is it. You know, I've made it 150 miles and now I'm done. And so he came over and he looked at it and he pushed around on it for a while. And he explained to me that it was bursitis and I had never had an issue like that before. And so he explained to me that, um, as long as I could tolerate the pain, it was not going to do damage and that I could continue. And he, he told me how, if it was him and he was at mile 150 and he had this, he wasn't going to let it stop him. He was going to continue on. And so he gave me an ice pack, had me sit for a little while with an ice pack. He taped it up for me. And then he gave me an ice pack to take with me in my pack, just in case. And he said, just make to the next aid station. When you get to the next aid station, put some ice on it again. And if it still looks like this and doesn't look any worse, just keep going. He goes, that's what I would do if it was my knee. So I just told my husband, I said, I'm going to walk the next 20 miles to the next aid station just to see, you know, make sure it's okay. And at first it was excruciating. It hurts so bad. 
And then it just, it got less and less and less. And then I found I was starting to be able to run the flats again and I could hike the uphills without pain. I just couldn't do the downhills without pain. And so then because I was having to change my gait to compensate for my knee, my shin started hurting really bad. And so that's what ended up being my biggest pain through the race is I think it's tendonitis now in the shin. Mm, gotcha. And, and for those that don't know what bursitis is, um, we have bursa sacs underneath our tendons and typically they go. And if I, I may be mistaken here, cause I'm just speaking off memory, but I think it's between, um, when a bone goes over tendon, there's a bursa sac there, which is just uh, a sack full with fluids so that the, the tendon can move over the bone comfortably. And what happens is that bursa sac becomes inflamed. That's what the itis part is. And it can swell, uh, which causes pain to the tendon because it's pushing on the tendon. Um, so, um, that sounds, yeah, I have had bursitis in my hip. So, uh, you know, I can't imagine like on top of the kneecap, <laughs> um, <laughs> that would, oh my gosh. Uh, but incredible that you, uh, you were persevering and it sounds like, you know, it probably was like compensation for that, that started to bother the shin. Um, oh my goodness. Um, whew. um, so, I mean, aside from the, the, the knee, um, what were some of your, your biggest lessons and takeaways from, from the race? Oh, um, always take more calories than you think you're going to need. That was something that, um, I learned and, um, this, it really showed me that I am a lot stronger mentally than I originally thought I was, you know, I knew I wanted to give this a try. And there was always that part that's like, well, you know, can you really do 200 miles? Can you really push through the pain that you know is going to come? It's guaranteed. And um, to be able to do it is something that it's, I don't know, it's been like a huge confidence boost in just like, okay, well now I can go run those hundreds and that's nothing now, you know? So um yeah. So that's a takeaway for me. Right on. So obviously you hiked through the, the 20 miles, um, checking on the knee, uh, you're now at about 170. Um, so knee was, I mean, you said the shin was bugging you, but the knee wasn't any worse. Um, take us to the finish. How did that go? Yeah. So the last, um, I picked up Fabian again at the last aid station as a pacer. And so then that's where we had to go over the snow patches again and slide down. And so it's five miles downhill, which I knew was going to be excruciatingly painful since I was still having trouble with the downhills. Um, but having the snow there kind of broke it up a little bit. We weren't, you couldn't run. Um, and so it was kind of like up the snow and then slide down. But then we got to, um, when we were done with the snow, it's about three miles downhill, very rocky road. And so I told Fabian, I want to run as much of this as I can. And I knew that it was going to hurt. It was going to hurt so bad. Um, but I just told him that I'm close enough to now to the finish that it's okay. If it hurts, you know, I don't have another segment that I need to worry about. I don't have more miles that I need to worry about. And so we had a really good pace going downhill to the, where I asked him to call Victor to make sure that they were at the finish because <laughs> we were moving really well. Nice. 
and they weren't at the finish yet. And so they hurried. I'm glad we called. <laughs> they hurried and got to the finish. And um, I'm not sure how far we were, but I ended up kicking a rock oh. with with that that leg that was affected. And it stopped me in my tracks right there. The pain was just so intense. And I cried and Fabian just kept telling me, you know, we'll just take it, you know, one step at a time, one step. And we turned the corner and he's like, there it is. There's the finish. And I'm like, where, where? I don't see it. And he's like, it's right there. (laughs) And the road kind of splits. And so I'm yelling at him, am I going left or right? You know, I want to know before we get there. And he's like, no, you're going to the finish. And I'm like, left or right? He's like, I see Victor. I see Evan. And I'm still totally oblivious to the finish line being there. And then I finally (laughs) saw Charity um, and her little one Malachi there on the side screaming. And so I'm, I still didn't see the finish line was just beyond her until I was almost to her. And then I'm like, oh, there's the finish line. (laughs) So it was like, once I saw that finish line, all the pain was just gone. You know, I just wanted to run and, and get that done. And then as soon as I stopped, it all hit me again. (laughs) (laughs) What was your total time? Um, it was 93.55.05. Your, your why, as you stated earlier, was to show your daughter, you know, what you could do. Um, did you, you know, did you have a talk with her after that? Or did she already just recognize everything that mom just did? <laughs> I hope she recognizes it. <laughs> I'm sure I'll say something to her eventually. If, you know, if, if she ever complains about, like when she becomes a mom, of, I don't know if I can do that. Say, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Think back to, you know, when this happened, you can do it. So that's what I'm hoping. Awesome. Awesome. I hope that works out. I hope that, I hope that happens. Um, well, amazing, just amazing finish. Um, what would you, uh, what advice would you give uh, anyone thinking of doing a 200 mile race aside from maybe not, don't do it. <laughs> okay. If you're just thinking about it, then, um, I would recommend that you read the race reports, talk to people that have done it. And when they're talking about their lows, or how painful it was or how bad it was, um, believe it, you know, don't, don't just think they're exaggerating. Um, they're probably not. And if you're willing to go through all that and you're willing to dig that deep that they're explaining in their race reports, um, and you're comfortable with being uncomfortable for hours and hours and hours, (laughs) then definitely, um, do it. And how about anyone that is doing a 200 mile race? Someone who's doing the 200 mile, I would tell them to make sure that you live in that moment. Um, Don't think about what's coming. Just think about the mile that you're in now. Enjoy the scenery. Um, Enjoy the people that you're surrounded with. The ultra community is such a fantastic community. I love being a part of the ultra community. And just meeting people from all over the world. Um, You know, there were people there from other countries and talking about how they trained and just enjoying it and have have fun because it's going to end eventually. And then um, it's kind of surprising to say, but I'm kind of sad that it's over. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I'm sure you have, you know, a ton of people to thank. So 
if you'd like to thank anybody, why don't you go ahead and do that? Oh, most importantly, I'd love to thank my husband and my kids. Um, they put up with me through all of training and um, my husband would come home from work and he'd take the kids, he'd cook dinner, you know, he kind of held down the house while I went and did my thing. And the kids never complained when I told them I was leaving again on another <laughs> run. And, um, so yeah, so a huge thank you to them. I could not have done it without them. And then, oh gosh, my fantastic friends, Fabian and Charity. There's, there's no way I could have made it through those, um, those deep lows without them and their help and willingness to come and, and do it with me. And um, Aaron, for you, your coaching was fantastic. Um, all your guidance and advice that you gave me. And you're the one that told me to live in the moment and to remember and just enjoy the views. And so that was something that I thought about the whole race was just enjoy this now. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's incredible. Um, I was so happy when, uh, you know, because Fabian kept sending me updates and, and <laughs> pictures and it was fantastic to, you know, to be able to see your journey and, and, uh, and hear how things were going. Uh, I know there were some, some tough times and tribulations through that. So yeah, it was incredible. And your family is amazing. Um, Victor is an amazing husband. <laughs> um, you know, it's, we can't do this without our, our significant others. Uh, it makes a world of difference. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm so glad you had that support. Um, so lastly, um, if, if, uh, if people have questions and want to connect with you, if that's okay, can, uh, is there a way they can do so? Yeah. The, the best way is Strava. So I'm on Strava. Um, it's right. probably the best way. Okay. I'll put uh, your Strava link in the show notes. Very good. Anything else that you want to close with, Julie? Anything else you need to add or say? I don't think so. <laughs> well, congratulations on an amazing finish. Uh, so proud of you. It's incredible. Thank uh, you. So glad you got it and uh, uh, well-deserved. So, And thank you for joining us and sharing your, your story as well. Thank you so much. Julie, congratulations. Ah, oh, man. Uh, what a <laughs> just... Uh, proud coach <laughs> you know it was definitely a proud coach moment i'm so happy for her um so happy we got to have this conversation and kind of uh and i got to hear the the story as well as you guys um and to you know hear her uh takes on it uh, what she's learned and what she took away and uh you know advice that she could give so thank you julie for all of that incredible um so, uh, man, so many, uh, so many things to, to share and go over. Um, you know, a lot of things have been, been happening here in, uh, in the world of MR running pains. Um, here we are end of, uh, June. So July new newsletter will be coming out. So if you are not subscribed to newsletter and would like to get that, it's a free monthly publication. I try to put as much, uh, training tidbits, reviews, um, tips, everything I can into the newsletter, but, uh, you can go onto my website, mrrunningpains.com and subscribe again. It's a, a free publication. So please uh, join me there. Um, so that's, that will be coming out. Um, we got the holiday weekend, so, you know, it might be after the fourth, but, um, it should be coming out, uh, within the week. So, um, stay tuned for that. Um, my goodness, uh, I'm going to do a whole episode, uh, on, uh, um, uh, the art lobe experience. Cause, uh, to talk about it, you know, in this, uh, um, 
this closing bit, I it just wouldn't give it justice. There was just so much that went on, so many people to thank. Um, you know, I got it done uh, for the most part, <laughs> and, and we'll, you know, again, I'll talk about it. Um, but what a what an experience! Um, so uh, I've promised an episode on training uh, by heart rate and uh, and RPE when you can use each. So um, I think I will do that in combination with uh, kind of a summation of my uh, double art lobe art lobe out and back. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, but um, you know. The lesson being, uh, man, it, I took away so much. It, it prepared me so mentally and physically for Bigfoot. So, uh, you know, I, I feel good coming off of it and out of it. Um, so very happy about that. Um, the crazy news is Friday, uh, the Western States had their um, raffle drawing. So for those that don't know, um, each year you can purchase raffle tickets. They raffle five spots into the following year's race. Now you still have to qualify. Okay. So finishing Bigfoot will be my qualifier for Western States. But, um, uh, so I, you know, what I did was I purchased, um, the amount of raffle tickets that would equate to me paying an entry into Western States. That uh, ended up being about $410. I bought $410 worth of tickets, and I was the final draw from the lottery, from the raffle, excuse me. So I have um, the potential to run next year as long as I get my qualifier in. So that's a huge reason to get Bigfoot done. <laughs> uh, so yes, I, I, you know, I potentially have a spot on the line at Western States next year. Um, super excited by that. Uh, crazy story. Um, I was, you know, um, I knew the raffle was on Friday, but, uh, you know, I, I had lost track of time, had no idea what time it was out there or what time the pre-race meeting was because they do it right at the end of the pre-race meeting. And all of a sudden I received a message from Martin Sneakloth and, um, Martin, oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> Martin messaged me saying that I, my name had been, um, drawn, and I, you know, I couldn't believe it. I was beside myself with excitement, hollering and screaming. My, my daughter made sure I was okay. <laughs> um, you know, it was just craziness. Craziness ensued. Uh, I was just so, uh, you know, just ecstatic. So I, uh, I called uh, my buddy Morgan Elliott, who was on the podcast last week, because uh, he was out there. And I said, dude, they drew my name. Can you believe it? And he's like, no, man, I can't wait, uh, you know. And so he said, I'm actually going past the guys that uh, that drew your name. And uh, I said, well, please, you know, extend my thanks. And so Morgan, you know, said, hey, Aaron Saff said thanks. And I heard somebody grab the phone, and it was Craig Thornley, uh, the race director for Western States. Um, Craig and I have I've been on um, some race director panels together at the trail running conference. So, um, you know, I, I – I've really respected and admired Craig and, uh, really uh, when he got on the phone, I was just over the moon. And, uh, he said, I have to, he told me I have to hold the phone away from my ear. You're just, you're too excited. And I said, I know, I know. I don't want to bother you right now. I know you got a lot to do, but, uh, thank you so much. And, you know, so he started to give me the, the details and I said, dad, it's okay, it's okay Craig. We'll, we'll talk at a later time when you're not so busy. Uh, but you know, I could tell he was excited for me too. So that meant a lot. Um, so super cool. Um, super excited. Uh, like I said, you know, just got to get the qualifier done. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Bigfoot becomes more and more important. Um, but you know, having finished that art lobe run, um, oh man, you know, it, it just felt good to, to get that done. Um, 
yeah, we, uh, yeah, like I said, well, I'll go over that, uh, in, uh, in another episode. Um, uh, just, you know, I've got so many episodes, uh, that I'm going to be recording here. It's, it's pretty fun. Um, got some great things. Uh, Martin Sneakloth actually, uh, just completed Tahoe 200 himself, but, um, I want to have him on the podcast just because Martin has done so many races and gone so many cool places. I, he's just a really great person that I think we can pull a lot away from. Uh, so I'm going to have him on the podcast. Um, I've, I'm going to do an episode with um, Dr. Judkins, who I've had on in the past. We're going to talk about um, vitamin D uh, and the importance for runners, as well as uh, supplementation. Like We have a lot of supplements out in the market. Uh, what's the reality of those? So we're going to talk about that. Of course, uh, like I said, I'm going to talk about uh, heart rate uh, versus RPE or when they can be used and how they can be used uh, you know, simultaneously uh, in training. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, Man, uh, yeah, just there's you know a ton of things that we're we're going to be recording. Um, when I say we, uh, me, <laughs> me, myself, and I uh, will be recording. So some great episodes that should be coming up here um, in the near future. So um, I hope you're excited about it. Uh, I thank you as always for being a part of this, for listening. Uh, I hope everybody has a happy July Fourth, uh, happy Independence Day to all. Um, and uh, I hope everything goes well in your training. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, um, please you know reach out. Um, I, I've had a, another suggested guest who I have reached out to, um, and uh, we'll see if this gentleman's able to come on. Uh, I'm hoping so. So I appreciate the recommendations. You know, if you want to hear from somebody specific or about something specific, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, I, I love hearing topics. I, I want to talk about what people are interested in. So uh, that's that's part of this. So thank you very much. Um, with that said, uh, you know, I'm just I'm over the moon right now. Um, you know, having <laughs> got through the raffle, uh, for Western States and, uh, having just finished, um, the, uh, um, the art lobe out and back, um, man. And tomorrow, uh, I recorded this on the 28th, uh, tomorrow, the 29th is my 20th anniversary, uh, with my wife, I'm celebrating 20 years of marriage with my wife, which is incredible. Um, you know, unfortunately we're not, we weren't at Western States this year cause we honeymooned in Tahoe. So, um, uh, hopefully I get to take her to Tahoe next year. So like I said, um, <laughs> gotta, gotta get through Bigfoot. Um, anyway, things are, things are going well. I hope they are for you. And, uh, I can't wait to talk to you next guy, time guys. I really do appreciate your ears and I will talk to you soon, but until then keep running my friends.